we're going to enter into a different, a little bit of a different sugya. We we we've been discussing knowing yourself. We're going to, we're going to venture into a sugya which is known as bitachon. Bitachon, which sometimes is trans- sometimes is translated as faith. Um, so it's, it's actually the modern Hebrew word for security. Um, a person who's a security guard is, is called a ma'avteach from the word bitachon. And actually, if you want to take out insurance, it's actually called bitachon. Self-confidence is called bitachon atzmi. And there's something called, uh, the security forces are called kohota uh, bitachon. Everything is based on bitachon. <laughs> the Pasuk in Mishnah says the following thing. Betach el Hashem b'chol libecha. Betach b'Hashem b'chol libecha. You should trust in Hashem b'chol libecha, with all of your heart. Generally, when, when the Psukim and Chazal refer to the heart, they mean the experiential part of the person. The heart is where the life, life is located. As opposed to the mind is where life is thought about. It's above the heart. The heart is where I am. That's the that's that's where my that's where I experience life. It's the, the, call it the seat of experience. So you should betach b'ashem meaning in your experience of our life, it should be God. It should go through betachon. So it comes along the Vilna God, the Beferesha Grosham, and the God writes that your heart should be shalem, should be full, should be complete with the trait of betachon. And then he adds on another phrase, and if you think about um, who the Vilna Gaon was, he was scrupulously careful with, when, with, the, with the way he used words. And he writes that, um, he writes that, and not with a partial heart, meaning that a person's experience of seeing the world through the eyes of the trust, trust this context of Hashem, Hashem, so it should be complete. It shouldn't be it should be partial in any way. Um, and then the the puzzle continues, and it says, al and on your own understanding, do not leave. It's going to be very strange. You have to trust Hashem and don't rely on yourself. In what way? In what way shouldn't you rely on yourself? So the altar of Nevadak says. The following thing. Sorry, the ultimate The ultimate quoting the Gaon says, um, I'm going to trust in Hashem. I'll be not, do not rely on your understanding. Meaning, a person may say the following. I'm a frumayid. I'm a religious Jew. And I'm a big, big truster in Hashem. But I also have to rely on my own mind, on my own seichel. person may say that. Comes along the verse and says, don't lean. Now the expression of leaning means that you're already fully standing. You're in an upright position. When you lean on something, it it means that you assisting your, your 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 upright position is being supported by something else as well. But it's also you're also using your feet to support you. But there's something else. There's also a, something you can lean on a walking stick, for example. So it comes along the passage and says, "Don't 
we're not even a vadai. We won't. We don't need to tell you not to rely on your seichel completely. We're saying don't even lean on it. Don't even give it a marginal area for support. Rather, total and utter trust. So this, this concept of trust is a fascinating concept. You see trust in a child. See our child has an absolute trust. And the way you see it is, is an experiment of this, but only if you're a good catch. Get little children to jump into your arms. <laughs> and then try getting adults to jump into your arms. <laughs> It could be there could be there's a practical difference logistics of size, but uh, <laughs> but there's a when you see a chi- when you see a child a child has the capacity to be completely trusting of another, completely trusting, which which of course sometimes can be dangerous, but a child naturally has an openness and a trust and complete and total reliance on another. As we grow up, so we become much more suspicious and certainly when it comes to people, we second guess what their intentions could be and trust is often diminished. Sometimes when people have a series of bad experiences with people and in the most, uh, let's say, tragic of situations when people lose trust in those people closest to them, parents, their close friends, so then it can have a, a long-term effect on a person's entire approach to, to the world. Um, but, I beg your pardon? Trust diminishes. Well, because you, you, meet, you meet people and you have experiences which lend evidence to the fact that people are not trust- trustworthy. No, it's, it's fine, it's fine. You, you see what generally the pattern will be is people generally trust until their trust is betrayed. You, 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 you're perfectly happy to go to a particular shop and um, rely on the fact that they're giving you the right change. But they give you the wrong change once, every time after that you'll check the change. It's, it's, that's, that's what happens when your trust is betrayed so then you stop trusting which, which is logical <coughs> makes sense now how does the trust of a trust in Hashem work it's, it's a tricky thing and how does it relate to the way I see cause and effect in the world because the world presents itself with a very tight connection between cause and effect trust in Hashem how does, does trust in Hashem contradict the cause and effect of the natural world? I'll give you one example and we'll have to explore this idea. Um, I trust in Hashem completely. And therefore what? And therefore, I'm not going to go out and work because I know Hashem will provide for me. He'll provide for me. So what I'll do is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll open up my door and there'll probably be men outside in the form of, I don't know, fresh bread and milk. Maybe a bit of cheese to spread on the top and while we're there. Can it please be Philadelphia cheese? Um, is, is that is that is that that's good? That's okay? Or is that not that's not good? That it's too much trust in Hashem? Can't trust in Hashem too much. Ha <laughs> Comes on the passage and says, "Thou be not No, you can't, you can't, you can't 
you can't trust in Hashem too much. On the contrary, not trusting Hashem fully is a lack. It says, don't rely on your mind at all. That seems, uh, okay, okay, now let's stop here because that seems to me a very dangerous, if not ludicrous statement to make. And judging from the look of concern on people on my left at least, so it seems like you're in agreement with me. Like every time I speak about trusting Hashem, so I see certain eyebrow, eyebrows being raised higher and higher. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? I know there's a God, but do we really have to believe in it properly? I mean, can't we just go along our lives and live them as we want to? I mean, like, you know, pay lip service in doubling and learning? No, we have to trust. In other words, this is going to be a very crucial point of, 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 it's God and Etsy. But, you, but you fo- it's, you're following me in this sugya. It's, it's a tough sugya. How far does it go? There's a God, yes? Yeah, there is a God. So what did he He created the world hundred percent. He recreates the world every second. Sure, we believe in the in the in the in the constant the constant regeneration of, of the world. Uh, so he says making me from scratch right now. Absolutely, hundred percent. But but he can't give me like money. Oh he's giving you air. He's giving the heart to pump the blood around your body and every pump, boom, he pumps it. Every pump, boom, he pumps it. No? So, 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 so if so, so then, in, a, in fact, in fact, if you think about it carefully, let, let's, let's present the, 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 the position of someone who, who truly believes. First, you truly believe. I'm not saying any of us truly believe. But let's say you truly believe. What, what does belief mean? So belief means as follows. We, we say a bracha every time we go to the bathroom. And what does a bracha say? The bracha says, you create a man with all these kind of complex machinery. It's revealed in front of you that if one of this complex system would go wrong, one tiny, it could be one tiny little cell starts to randomly reproduce and a person can be over in seconds. So if one thing goes wrong, I would not be able to stand in front of you, O Creator, even for one moment. Thank you. So after we go to the bathroom, we acknowledge the fact that our existence is so radically fragile that without the constant input of the Creator, we would be goners in a second. So what is the essential difference between a person who is connected to a life support machine and us? We can't see the life support machine. But in terms of the flimsy nature of our connection to life, it's identical. Only what? Who is the life support machine that I'm connected to? The Creator Himself. And that's what I acknowledge. So now, once I've made that acknowledgement, so I've, I've affirmed the fact by saying that brocha, that I acknowledge that my second-by-second second existence is only because the Creator so wills. That's true. If that's true, doesn't it seem a little bit pathetic for then me to go ahead and try and make my own way in life? I mean, it's like, it's always bizarre. No? It's like, imagine the following ridiculous, surreal scenario. You have a person who is a... Um, he's, he's, he's remote controlled. Yes, in the days, in the, in, the, in the time when androids will be commonplace, I'm not referring to the cell phone, thank you very much. I'm talking about real androids, like the androids in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep Androids. Read the book. 
So it was made into a, a movie in the 80s, Blade Runner. Do you, Blade Runner? Do you, there's a, there's a book. It's called Do Android Do Androids Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Not Do Bochrin Dream of Side Topics, but Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. And it, it, it like it goes. It's a science fiction novel which projects ahead, and androids have taken on complete and total physical form. They look exactly the same as humans. And in order to spot them, you have to do these these tests, which pick up on emotions and values which androids can't have. Because what the androids do is they kind of kill their masters and then they like roam around the planet pretending to be human. So the goal of Blade Runner is to find these androids and to destroy them. Okay, I agree with you. It doesn't seem like the most complex plot. But it, it actually it, it focuses on a fascinating point. Because if you have an android who looks exactly like a human and he behaves exactly like a human and you can't tell the difference except for some very subtle test. But he's a machine. So what happens if you meet him and you get along really well? Because his personality is pre-programmed and you happen to like it. Or even better, what happens if you meet her and fall in love? So you meet an android and you don't know she's an android and you fall in love. And then one day her battery dies. So you can imagine how humiliating it is to like have to plug her in and recharge her. So essentially what it does is it explores, it's a fascinating philosophical treatise on the exploration of the meaning of what life is. You have a person that has a personality, everything, a looks, everything, and you develop a relationship, the only difference is they're electric. And if the battery runs out, then they'll stop to function, but you can recharge them. So imagine you meet this person, yes, and you're going to do him, of course, how else would you meet a girl? So you go into Dukim and you meet this girl and she's amazing. She's actually amazing. She's like, but all the, she's got great midas and you're not quite clear about the origin. She's like very vague about her parents. <laughs> and uh, you don't really get into discussing her, but you really, really, really like her. And you get into deep discussions and she shares all her deep secrets about the past, of course, being pre-programmed from some creative genius's lexicon. And um, you know that this is the girl that's made for you. And then <coughs> one day you're on a date and then you see her like starting to look very, very tired. Until all of a sudden, until all of a sudden, her entire body slumps and she just stops moving. You panic, you panic, you go, is there a doctor in the house? From three tables down, a man runs for you and he says, I'm a doctor. And he feels for a pulse. And uh, he says, <laughs> it's a machine! And he shows you, and there's like a button which says on, hidden underneath a bracelet. So you now you just need a recharger. How do you feel at that point in time? You feel betrayed. You feel like a fool. Now, what would happen instead of the batteries running out, she just died on the spot? How would you feel? You'd feel a tragic sense of loss. You'd feel you, you'd probably cry. You'd probably cry. The one way you'd feel like a fool, the way you cry. Once I understand, the the experience that you went through was identical. What was the difference? The only difference was was it real life or electric life? Why? Why is it a difference which makes a difference? Because one was a re with a real life 
real loss or is the other one with the What loss? makes real real and what makes unreal unreal? The experience was identical from day one to... Yeah, but the, the understanding that, I mean, the human connection is possible. What, the human connection was there. She responded to you. She did everything a normal human being would do. There's this person who pulls, pulls what he's doing, pulls his relationship on, on the basis of thinking that there's another human. He's similar oh, to so what do, does it make a difference if it's human or not? Who cares? So recharge and you can carry on the relationship. <laughs> I didn't say what's the problem. What is the problem? What make what makes life life? What makes real real? Stop projecting, yeah, Simcha. Stop projecting. Stop projecting. Simcha's actually taking this option. He says this is ideal. I can have my cake. He says he says one second. What happens if she's if she's still charged? Is there a way of switching her off? Like does she have a remote control? Turn the volume down. Turn the volume down. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's the fast forward button. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, decorum, decorum. <laughs> what is the nature of life? Exactly. I don't understand. What's the difference? What's the difference? What? She's genuine. She's what makes genuine genuine. I don't understand. She's genuine. Why? No it doesn't make a difference. It, it doesn't, doesn't, make, doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. She, according to the programming that she's that that she's been wired to do, she fulfills it faithfully. Because all she has is programming. She doesn't have any so what? real experiences. What's real experiences? What, what what makes an experience real? Going through it. She it's went scary. through something. What do you mean? She <coughs> went through it. Went through a machine. A choice in the middle. Belief in <laughs> Do you believe that I have an agenda, Matty? Khalil <laughs> 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 Bakas. Androids have no soul. That's a tangible soul. No, I don't know. The interesting thing is that when you think about it, intuitively, intuitively, there's not a single person here that doesn't understand that this is life and that that's not life. But to actually verbalize what the difference is, it's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult. That's why I enjoyed this book so much. Because it, like, it played around with your, your concept of what reality is. What do you mean? This person, you could fall in love with them until they run out of batteries. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating exploration as to what do we actually connect to. So if it's true that we can intuitively define between these two points, it must mean that our ultimate sense of connection is not what we spoke about. It's not what she looks like. It's not what she did. It's none of that. So then what is it? <laughs> it's the thing that, that wasn't there that's what connects you. That is fascinating. To me, that is fascinating. You take the two experiences. Both experiences, the same conversations were had. Were had. Both experiences, the, the woman looks identical to the android. So in terms of the interactions, everything was identical. The only difference was she ran out of batteries in case one and she didn't in case two. So in other words, in terms of the connection that was based on external factors like our discussions, like looks, like what we went through, so those two things are analogous. They're completely identical. The only thing happens is that she runs out of batteries in one case and let's say she doesn't in the other case. Now, in the case when she runs out of batteries, I feel betrayed, I feel stupid, I feel as if everything that happened, nothing happened. 
But what do you mean nothing happened? The exact same thing happened. So if the nothing that happened must have been the conversations were nothing. So look, so no, nothing was nothing. So then what was? What was there? Or was the thing that wasn't there? It was a thing that wasn't there. I'm not, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I can't put into words what the answer is, but there's not, a, there's not a, 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 a shadow of doubt that we all know that one is real and one is not real. Fascinating. No? Okay. So what, what obviously it indicates is that we do perceive that life has a dimension which is, which is more than sheer activity. Because if so, let's say you could have a, 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 an Android that you could make and it would last and had a 70-year battery. 70-year battery. Which is basically, yeah, that's a decent lifespan. Do you know what? 90-year battery. Gewaldic. 90-year battery with the building, built-in simulated aging process. So that the actual, the, 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 um, the external skin started to wrinkle. You had that. So you can have a 90 year, old, 90, 90 year relationship and now you've got a choice. Would you like the android or would you like a real person? So I would hope that most people would opt for a real person. But it's exactly the same. The amount of time you spend, the experience you spend, the responses you everything will be identical. But for some reason you'll opt for human above android. Why? It's exactly the same. Because you, the feeling that I would say is because it would be living a lie. Why is living alive? All a person is, is all those responses, all those conversations, all those external expressions. So then what difference? What difference? Mali android, Mali mensch. That's a Talmudic expression for whether it be man or android. Little doesn't matter. You understand? So that, I think, that hinges on the, the notion of Bitochen. Bitochen is seeing that there's perhaps a deeper perspective to life that we are intuitively aware of. The question is, how do we relate to that? How do we relate to that? If we understand that the cause and effect in the natural world is limited by the cause and effect in the natural world, that, that's all there is, so then this world is androidian. Or as they say in Yiddish, androidish. 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 That's why, that's where the oi comes from in android. I'm serious. In the Spidey world, it was an android. <laughs> Became an android when it went into the literature world. Android. Did you know that? Did you, did you know? The truth is, the, the correct pronunciation in the literature world is an android. In the Spidey world, is an android. 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 Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> clearly, I, I find it funnier than everyone. Um, so, so, so we, we understand we understand intuitively that the mechanical world is a world that we're not connected to. It's a world that doesn't speak to us. Which means, perhaps, <coughs> we can suggest that the world that we live in, what we get the pleasure of, it, the, 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 the dimension that we connect to is a dimension which is not visible on the surface. Which, let's say, is the spiritual dimension, the dimension of the Creator, the Godly dimension. So that's true, that we are intuitively aware of it, and that's what we respond to. So then, how do you relate to the way that creates a um, flexible cause and effect in terms of mechanical as opposed to spiritual mechanisms? But before we go there, I realize that was slightly abstruse. Let's ask, answer a question from Alex. If you never found out that she was an android, would you be missing anything? That's a great question. 
That's an even better question. Let's say so now someone someone has yeah, she died after you. She 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 passed away. Her batteries ran out of ninety, and uh, you were eighty nine, and you're you're let's say same age. Yeah? So you lived your entire life, and you never found out. Would there have been a qualitative difference to the life that you lived with her, as opposed to the life she lived with the real person that she was modelled after? I think from what we're learning is that it depends on what level you're. If you're a tumor person, then you're not intuitively connected with what's happening around you, so you wouldn't realize the external relationship with her would be exactly the same as you would have with any other person, because that's the base level of the relationship that you're having. But the more kadush you have in your life, the more there is to it. So you just feel like there's something about this person that they this android fascinating stuff. answer in other words it, it, it would maybe dependent on right what kind of what kind of relationship in other words seemingly with a person who's mechanical there'd only be a certain degree of depth that you could get to because it must be that that deeper dimension of self has to have some type of manifestation somewhere um, but uh, perhaps you could miss it if you don't at least you could miss it on a, on a physical level even if you'd realize it on a deep intuitive level. I, I think that that probably is, is a great great thing to think about and it's a great place to start exploring Big Token. Because Big Token is something which is a very uncomfortable topic of discussion. Because it challenges our notion of control. There's something it's quite ironic. The most insecure feeling that a person can have is when he's in control. And the most insecure per feeling a person has is when he's not in control. What I mean is as follows. If you're in control of something, or you seek to be in control of something, so the minute variables are possible, or factors are prevalent, which are beyond your control, so the very fact that you have control is the most anxiety-driven experience. Imagine that you're, you're a person that feels that you control every factor and variable in, 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 the re in the real world and you're driving along a highway now every other car theoretically <coughs> could randomly turn into you if you're the sole controlling factor in your life and unfortunately you control, can't control others and you can only ever really control yourself and since others can do as they choose so the notion of control over my life will be so anxiety ridden because, listen, the car could explode on the spot, could. The car in front of me could veer in front of me. The brakes could fail. A boulder could slide off from the shoulder of the road and smash into me. There's no limit of what could occur. If I rely on my control, my control is so severely limited that it's an anxiety-producing experience. On the other hand, if I have no control, I have no idea what's going to happen to me, and I can't do anything, it's even more room for panic. So it's quite interesting. The philosophers, modern philosophers, often present the default setting of a person to be one of angst. That a person's natural state should be one of total anxiety because if the world is a random place, anything could happen to anyone at any point in time. And that produces tremendous fear. Whereas the Jewish perspective of the person's default is bitachin. So it doesn't only go down to what you do and what you don't do in life, it actually goes down to the core of how you experience the process of living.
and anxiety and faith seem to be on either side of the discussion. Anxiety, where anything could happen at any point in time, and therefore I live with this incredible uncertainty and fear, or security, that only things which are meant to happen, happen, and therefore I live with incredible inner comfort. A tranquility, because nothing can happen at random. There are no unknown variables. And the truth is, the emotions or the traits of faith and anxiety are not really necessarily religious. They could apply to any aspect of, aspect of life. For example, when you go onto a bus, you place faith in the bus driver that you won't just smash into a building. Maybe you will. You place faith in the people that constructed the bus, that the brakes work. You place faith in the fact that the other cars will behave in such a way that won't endanger your life either. So you trust in other things anyway. So trust is not a, it's not a religious... If we don't have trust really, the ultimate loss of trust would lead to people who suffer from uh, the psychiatric disorder of anxiety often will never leave their homes. It's a, it's, it's a really scary thing. No, it's a scary, I, I've met people like that and they, 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 can't, they, they can't... I met one person and I said to him, he said to me, he revealed that your anxiety. I said, what is your primary anxiety? He says, feels like he's going to die. I said, how long have you had this? He said, since I was two. He's in his twenties. I said, well, you see, it's wrong. Couldn't <laughs> help. Because <laughs> it could be it was wrong until now, but who knows what's going to happen now. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. Anxiety is a terrible, terrible disease. It's terrible. So we have to think about how that matches with faith, and we have to explore it, and we have to deal with that. And of course, we have to deal with the androids. Thank you. Thank you.